Hooray! Yay! We're back for another episode of The Hex. This one entitled Walk. Simply Walk. And it's the magnum opus. Um, Which of those descriptions would you guys say is the more accurate? The magnum opus, the walk, uh, the episode? What, What do you think? Yeah, it's, I mean... I suspect on some level calling it the magnum opus is the appropriate term just because that is a term kind of loaded with pretentiousness. Yes. Um, and that's very much what's happening here. But, you know, the the obvious the obvious irony of the situation is that this is very much not at all like it it's probably the most boring section of the game so far. It's very just slow and cumbersome and obviously a product of Lionel Snill's own giantly inflated ego. Um, (laughs) So to call it a magnum opus is definitely an exaggeration and an irony, but to call it just walk as though it were as simple as a stroll through the countryside is equally misleading. Yeah, yeah. And you don't just walk, right? I mean, you do a lot of other stuff um i i think the uh the part that this um reminds me of the most is is back to that very start of the game when you uh, meet the cat and the cat tells you that this game is built on the the bones of something else right it's on mm-hmm. uh, uh and there's a, a few different ways that that sort of enters in here um so before we even go to the the actual walk simulator um what all did you guys do before before finding your way to that uh around the six point in and and at the cabin next door now well i've got enough coins to open up the third and final mystery door the the soda machine um but what was revealed in there we should probably discuss later I still need relevant. at least 25 cents. I, oh, no. yeah, I'm still not quite there. Yeah. Uh, I know. I also busted Valamir out. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, when you're when we did Waste World, um, there's a secretish area where his Lamia pal is uh, hanging onto this magic hammer thing, um, and you can. Oh, right. You can pick it up as rust, and if you do, uh, when you exit the six pint in, you find the the hammer sitting by a column um, right outside the the door. Um, pick it up, take it downstairs, smash through the the glass where Valamir is being kept, and he promptly takes over the whole world and ruins it and roll credits. <laughs> so that's an ending. Yeah. That's- a legit ending to the game. Wow. Yes. Um, so just like we saw him destroy Secrets of Legendaria, it seems that once Valamir is unleashed on the Six Pint Inn, he proceeds to destroy it as well. Um, <laughs> all of his spiky tentacles and, you know, big ghostly fart cloud face. Um, so so it, the tentacles, do they just like grab the other character? Or like what kind of stuff do you see when you do this? Not much. You're you're limited to that basement room, so you don't get to see whatever chaos is going on in the main room and like 
all these characters being picked up and tossed around by Kraken tentacles. Instead, it's just, you know, you're, you're watching them spit out of the ceiling and floor, um, and walls for that matter. And then it's just, it fades to purple and the end credits roll over a purple screen <laughs> while it plays the Valamir theme. Awesome. Uh, no, that, that's not one I did. I, like I said, I didn't find enough money to open the basement um, soda machine yet either. Um, I tried exploring some stuff, but uh, I think the only thing I found was the cat I, that I'm mm-hmm. recalling right now. You see, you see the hologram cat again up in the same place you saw them before. Um, this time they say something like, uh, "You got tired of being just a, you know, a play." Uh, a character or something, a vessel, right? Yeah. A vessel. That's it. A yeah. vessel. And you wanted to like merge with the player. Um, so that's weird. Uh, so the cat's around. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, and the uh, the others. I feel like none of the characters are that surprised by the the murder. Like no one's really reacting. They're all kind of just hanging out, um, waiting. Yep seems like i mean some of them are even kind of bitter about it like you ask chandrell and she's like yeah he had it coming like we all wanted to murder him um (laughs) and you know super weasel kid makes some kind of snide remark about oh what a surprise the space marine is the one who killed who was responsible for the murder you know like nobody seems too upset the closest you get is bryce saying um you know, I at least he taught me to fight. I owe him that much. Um, like that's that's as close to a tear shed for the death of Irving. Yeah, who's just like laying there, right? Like he doesn't disappear. He doesn't uh, fade the way that dead characters usually do. But he's his body is just lying there. Uh, yeah, and you can even sit on it. Really? <laughs> yeah, if you walk over like you know, next to the body and you press up, it's the same animation um as if you're like in front of a stool. Um are you seriously teabagging it? Like is that what <laughs> oh, no, I'm not going on the face, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. Goodness but you know, me. I didn't think of that, but I probably should have. <laughs> Poor Irving. Well, what about Russ too? Like I really wanted to see what he's up to. Uh, with Jeremiah in that attic room, is there any way to get up there? Or are you I just don't stuck? think so. There's no call button for the elevator, so the fact it's not there means you cannot get up to him. Um, yeah. So you know, you see him at the very end, but but not until then. I don't think there's any way to interact with him as as the faceless first person, whatever. Right. All right. And so when you talk to the bartender. The door appears, right? This this front door has been here the whole time, but only becomes accessible when he mentions it to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, he invites you to hang out at his own little cabin next door, um, and there's a toilet there. Yep. So that's you know, as you know, as I've probably said, like one of the reasons Earthbound is the best video game is because there are actually bathrooms in it, right? And that level of realism is just top-notch um so i'm glad that, that made it into this game too um, i feel like now we need to talk about the the sheer number of games with or without bathrooms like Majora's <laughs> mask has the one bathroom in the hotel and yeah i want to say that there are bathrooms in persona as well but yeah uh 
I don't know. I that would be a whole topic unto itself. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the toilet in this one is a kind of outhouse. It is reminiscent of the uh, stockpot in the hand. Yep. Um, yep. Gosh, interesting. Uh, <laughs> have you guys um, have you deciphered any of the books that line the the bookshelves of this cabin? Were you able to see what they what their spines say? Yeah, it's an interesting selection. Um, okay. A couple of them have to deal with like beverages. Um, it, it's sort of explicit there that you like this is how to create the perfect root beer or something. Um, yeah, it was like a recipe book. Yeah, uh, okay. there was at least one that was like coercion and skullduggery of some kind. <laughs> um, there was one for like magical rituals. Uh, you know, like performing human sacrifice for fun and profit, I guess. Um, something along <laughs> those lines. Um, so, you know, they're all connected to things that our mysterious bartender friend has been doing over the course of the game. Um, you know, between his plots, his wheels within wheels, um, as well as, you know, he's a bartender, he does drinks. Um, like, I think one of them is a hospitality guide. Like, he runs a hotel now, so this is how he learned to do it, apparently. Um, but other than that, you know, it, it, he's apparently not reading Don Quixote or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and and you can't... I don't think you can interact with anything on those shelves, right? It's, uh, it's just the one... That one conspicuous um, statue, you know, trophy-looking guy mm-hmm. that you can pick up in there. I think there's a coin on one of the shelves, but other than that. Ah, uh, okay. Is there anything else in the bathroom besides the coin, or can you can you like open a secret passageway there, or anything like that? Not that I, I know I, of. I didn't notice anything in there. Um, so, the puzzle in his cabin is uh, kind of like a. It makes me think of what's behind that one soda machine, right? It's like mm-hmm. some batteries and some switches, and there's electricity that flows. Um, and when it comes to the bookcases, it sort of like moves in ways that you wouldn't expect. And I don't know if they're even physically possible. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, it's pretty easy to just kind of brute force this one. That's mm-hmm. what I found anyway. Um, but is there some secrets if you like do things a different way, or is it really just to um, to turn on that computer terminal? Um, you can take that battery and go back to the teleporter and power it up. So, <gasps> gasp! Yeah. I didn't think of that. I didn't think of leaving the room with a battery. So I thought of the thing that I could have done, but I didn't actually try to do it. I'm such mm-hmm. a, a noob, man. Okay, so you power up that teleporter. Does it teleport you down to the basement where there's another teleporter? I honestly don't remember. I didn't do it this time around, but I think okay. Steve did it, so I suspect he knows. Yeah, I forget. I think you go to a place. I think the scenery's kind of like Super Weasel Kid, and you walk oh. over, and there's a giant golden statue, and then you fall to your knees, and then you're kicked out, and then you can never go back in there again. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the Lionel radio playing, right? That's the one... Uh, the f- what is it? The ground floor. Yeah. Um, where Lionel okay. made a Groomba, taught it to fight, etc. I think that's that gotcha. one. Okay. Cool. Interesting. Um, 
if you open the one upstairs as Super Weasel Kid, can you like crawl back in the passageway that appears in there? Or is there nothing really to do in that one upstairs? Yeah, I don't think there's anything there. Um, like, I, I definitely opened it with Weasel Kid and didn't notice a way out or anything. Um, okay. Both of the okay, other yeah. two, I think, just feature the radio. Interesting. Okay. Well, so that's odd, because then the golden statue, is that the same as the um, like the little one on the mantelpiece in the cabin? Uh, I don't believe so. Hmm. I kind of forget exactly what it was. I tried to to mess around and you know bring the statue in there to see, like, try to trigger some kind of secret. Um, yeah. But I couldn't. You know, I'm not going to go through and bring all the items in there and try. I was like, oh, gold statue. I'll bring a gold statue to it, and that failed. And I said, okay, right. Uh, yeah. Bring the pie. Yeah. Try the pie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so. Uh, I, I forget what it was, but actually, I think it was a golden statue of um, the question mark character that you're playing as. Mm, yeah. Oh, that's weird. Okay. Right. Um, which is yeah. so again, you, you get there, you kind of there. I think there's like a weird sound effect, then you drop to your knees, and then, like I said, you just get kicked out. Okay. So we call this character Faceless Joe, or is that just like something that the mechanic says uh, off the cuff? Does this character have a name? Uh, faceless Joe serves as well as any. I mean, question mark <laughs> face is cumbersome to say at least. All right. Well, okay. So the uh, the is it the first time that we see weird rune like characters when when the terminal is powered up and it and it drops us down into the uh, you know the bunker underneath the cabin. Um, have there been weird runes displayed before somewhere? I think in Secrets of Legendaria, there are a couple of characters who speak in weird runes in like specific situations. Um, okay. But I don't remember off the top of my head. This is definitely the most that we've seen all at once. Um, yeah. And this is... like I screenshotted it as we went down because I'm... Pretty sure most of those things are actually really important. Um, that you could decipher once you know the uh, the code. Yes. Yeah. Um, they yeah. are they are relevant to our discussion next time, I suspect. Cool. Yeah, I I thought as much. I mean, it it struck me what you know. I sort of saw it, but I didn't get a good look at it uh, at the time. But then, of course, you know, at the ending, um, it again yep. becomes quite prominent uh, <laughs> and. Possibly, I guess if you pay close attention, maybe the bartender is like rephrasing things in English that he's just said in runes at certain mm -hmm. points there. Maybe that's a way to start to crack what they what the letters would correspond to or something. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe there's a more obvious way somewhere else, though. Uh, so something again to, to return to. So we've got the statue. Uh, we've got the, uh, the rune alphabet. Uh, to think about for next time. Um, and of course, that third uh, soda machine. Okay. Okay, so then we come into the walk game. And it's, yeah, magnum opus. Um, so Latin. So another weird language, but not that weird, right? That's basically English. And like you said, very appropriately pretentious um, in lots of ways, right? Like the whole idea of a walking simulator is 
pretty widely reviled, I would say, by like the run of the mill, uh, you know, game enthusiast, um, and maybe only appeals to a pretty small segment of people um, in a non-ironic fashion. Would that be fair to say? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pers- yeah the game even comments on it at one point. Like the first time that you sit down to do one of those little programming puzzles, um, the developer's commentary, Lionel, he, he makes the comment that he was going to do this as a straight walking simulator and you don't actually, you know, do anything but just walk around and listen and, you know, see the places. Um but he saw that, you know, this was this was not likely to get him high praise or money, so he had to include little puzzle sections to keep people from getting bored. Um, which he says with his usual heavy dose of disdain um, for the player and for the whole business um, in general. Uh, which, you know, there's a lot to be read into there, but it is sort of significant that, like, it's it's a recognition. I think like this whole level is kind of a recognition that walking simulators are themselves this really sort of pretentious art form. Like there's so much controversy surrounding them, like uh, the sort of universal recognition that they're overrated and, you know, the, the purview of arty games that don't actually have any substance going on. But at the same time, there's like the Lionel's remark there sort of suggests that you know there's nothing wrong with the walking simulator except the popular disregard um Mm. that like if that's what you're going to do then you should do it um and lionel's kind of you know talking out of his butt when he's saying that he's gonna include puzzles just to make his game more popular and more profitable yeah yeah i I think is there a particular walking simulator? Did you guys get like beginner's guide vibes uh, from this portion of the game? Yeah, it's or hard there not another... to see that connection. Like that one, okay. that one's really obvious. Um, and beginner's guide was, I want to say, a year or two before um, the hex. So the hex is pretty much riffing off the the beginner's guide here, but without the beginner's guides or the beginner's guides um very obvious self-awareness or at least you know lionel is not self-aware in this case right on that sort of surface level but yeah within the context of the hex as a whole it's very much satirical i i think uh yes and uh lionel's his voice is like it just makes me mad yeah (laughs) i uh I turned on the subtitles pretty early on um, so that I could concentrate on what he was saying better and and hate less the way he said it. Uh, yeah. But uh, gosh, but Even I do like subtitles, the subtitles. There's that disdain there. Like there, there are yeah. a couple of times where you know you, you've got the little stage direction in parentheses, like to to sort of indicate his tone, and it yeah. frequently comes off as really dismissive or self congratulatory. Like even the notes. Um, like I think there's one point where he's like justified, um, justified anger or something, and he's obviously whining at that point. Um, so it, it's pretty clear that like the the characterization that Lionel is making, even within the context of the subtitles, is warped and self-aggrandizing in that sense. I remember a smiley face emoji 
Yes. That was nice, a nice touch on the script writer. I assume Lionel himself was right. part. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I, but I did like the music a lot. So I, I couldn't yeah. like turn down the volume all the way because I wanted to hear the music. I wanted to hear the sound effects. Um, but I just, man, uh, that yeah, voice you, acting. You just want to punch and it is heavy-handed at that. Like, yes, you got your point across. Lionel is yeah. a bad person, but you know, it, it didn't need to be that obnoxious. I suspect. So, this is one of the, I think, strongest indicators of the, um, like, the self-hating aspect of of the the actual creator, right, in the background yeah. of this game. To portray yourself that way is just really brutal uh just really like self cruel uh self cruelty kind of element there um i guess it could be seen as funny and and satirical and and um but it it carries a strong whiff of um uh what like sadomasochism yeah 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 to uh to just gosh yeah um be so um, mean to this character, Lionel. Um, but yeah. On the other so, side, I mean, like we we see the change transpire, and I I think it's especially important that you know we we follow him from the beginning, and you know the the first interaction we have with Lionel, besides his sort of narration as you're walking up to the first section of of walk, um, is in his bedroom when he's a kid and he's actually waxing pretty earnestly nostalgic about, you know, his shrew and his weasel and the, like even the posters on the walls, like you can poke around and look at things. Um, and, and there's, there is a, a sort of hint of regret and, and sadness of loss in, in the the dialogue there like that's that's i think where the voiceover is very much at its strongest because it it does humanize him um definitely definitely so you know you can tell that like his first games are made from a place of of real honest affection and love where you know later they become perverted by his desire for wealth and you know acclaim and and it's even because of that first game, right? It's like he's paralyzed by the success of yeah. Super Weasel Kid. He tries a few different games and, and gives up um, before settling on his, uh, his next step there. Uh, and at that know, point, too, you can see like he's got the guitar in his room. And if you look at the guitar, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I tried it, but it didn't give me the immediate gratification of developing video games. Um, yeah. and, and you kind of get from that that line that you know, on the one hand, he is just a kid. Like, he he hasn't changed. He's growing into a teenager, but at the same time, it's like he found this thing that gave him so much success so early on that he he literally has no reason to move on, to grow up. Like, why bother when you have adult success by being a child? Um, and, you know... That, that line about the instant gratification, like, on one level, it almost makes video game development seem easy by comparison. Like, he took the easy way out. Rather than doing anything difficult, um, he just did what came naturally, like, to the point that, 
he couldn't find any other way to be. Um, and the fact that he keeps giving up on his later games, the fact that he, you know, reacts so badly is seems to be very much because of that sort of stuntedness, that inability to get out of this this childhood. The fact that all of his greatest successes were so far behind him. Yeah. He's it's an interesting read of the uh the room um as a, a kind of nostalgic warmth. But then I think it even when the guitar appears, it's already like a bit darker in there, I feel like. Yeah. Um and at a certain point the weasel goes missing, right? He yep. escapes. Weasel escapes. Sorry, into the garden next door, right? The rose garden. Yeah. Yeah. Flips through his hands, he says. But did you notice too, like this is what struck me most on this one. There's no door. Right. right. Like you're in his bedroom and there's a window and there's a bed and there's the computer and his desk, but there's no door there's no way out of this room like the model that he has created from memory does not include an exit right uh it is completely self-contained um the window itself is not openable right you can't look outside and uh you know the rose garden is a place where his his muse goes to be lost forever so i guess he's got you know bad memories of even something naturally beautiful and uh, desirable right um the only thing close to a door is the computer itself right that's yeah sort of the the only thing you can really interact with uh in a way that moves things forward mm-hmm. um and i think he simulates the kind of ease and talent that he has as a programmer by giving you like a, a very simple puzzle to solve at first um yeah and uh again he, he couches it in very you know disdainful terms but you know maybe that's his way of just trying to connect with people i guess mm-hmm. you know he's he's just a it, there is a sympathetic aspect to his character so um and i, yeah. I mean I found, yeah. I found it to be just kind of like an autobiography um mm-hmm. and him just trying to tell his story and this is the only way that he can um yeah. and you know he'd be happy if he didn't have to put the puzzles in there but obviously he does um <laughs> Because honestly, if there weren't puzzles in there, I probably would have stopped playing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, even the just normal walking parts, when you think that, you know, like, when you initially start the section and the developer's commentary is automatically playing, and it mentions, thank you for turning on the developer's commentary, you have to think, like, what the heck was this game before there was a guy talking in my ear? <laughs> like, you literally just walking through these rooms aimlessly, trying to, you know, make sense of your surroundings? Was it this sort of, like, abstract um you know here is a room activate the computer like recreating his life without any explanation like just how crazily you know narcissistic would that be where you just are basically putting somebody else forcing them into your position forcing them to relive your life your successes your failures as an attempt to get them to sympathize with you um like i can see how it makes sense in lionel's mind how this is his way of reaching out um but the fact that he calls it magnum opus the fact that like this is his greatest accomplishment never mind you know all of the actual good games that he's made over the years like that this is what he considers his crowning achievement like 
there's this... I have to think of this scene in Dostoevsky's Demons where this one writer comes to this big gathering to, like, deliver his final speech, his final written word, and Dostoevsky is definitely, like, targeting Turgenev on this one. And the guy just comes off as this whining, mewling, sad little man. Um, because nobody cares. Like, thinking of yourself as the greatest accomplishment in your career is not a positive way of looking at the world. It is not, it's failing to see your role in the greater society. Um, your role as servant to everyone around you in some way, as part of a community. Um, it's like especially significant that Lionel says that he only had the one friend, Carla, and now they hate each other. Um, right. He has no other connection. Right. And he mentions only one other game that was potentially an influence on him, uh, and that's uh, the cooking grandma, right? Um, and the character Bryce, that uh, is the best character he didn't come up with himself, right? And uh, yeah, yeah. So. Ah, that's that's the first sort of secret I think I found also. I don't remember the order here exactly, but um, a couple of things, right? So if you walk around behind the poster of Bryce, and once you get to the um, the office, there's a like a button combo uh, written on the back of the poster, and I take it that that is how you do his like ultimate attack. Um, yes within his game, right? Um, it's like down in B or something? Yep. All right. So so that is interesting. Um, the commentary does not notice, or maybe that was put in after the game was wrapped. I don't know. Um, anyway, so there's that. There's also in the contract. This is yeah. really nice. So if you read through the contract carefully, um, there's Which probably no more things. Does. Which no one ever does. And it's yeah. it's great, yeah. Um, but there's a couple of things there that I saw. There's a point at which it says, do not tickle the mountain's chins. <laughs> yeah. If you tickle the mountain's chins, uh, you know, something weird can happen. The software um, will not perform as expected. <laughs> so there's, again, there's a way to, I guess, do something weird in Super Weasel Kid. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know whether it's the Super Weasel Kid that you play at first, or the one that we just did in like that minor puzzle version within Walk. Um, yeah, that's actually how you break the game. Uh, ah, like in the the third Weasel Kid, the one that Game or Game Funa produced, the one that's all broken and buggy. Um, if you swipe your your mouse across the chins of the mountains, like everything crashes and um, because you know you can't tickle the mountains' chins. Software will not. It's in the contract. And the other thing about the contract, probably more obvious, is the signatory uh, that you're ceding your rights to. His name is Lou Natus, a mm -hmm. very transparent. Uh, pseudonym for satan right uh yep so what is it just satan spelled backwards and lou is louis right lucifer so mm -hmm. uh that's weird um and there's again no you know comment about who this person is or what influence they potentially had with other games they'd done like not 
again, totally solipsistic on, on uh, the part of our commentator, um, but something the player should probably pick up on. Um, and now, also, okay. like, I think it's also significant that this is something that Lionel, you know, even in his commentary, regrets. Like, he wishes he hadn't done this. They destroyed the one game that he was really legitimately proud of, you know, and he still makes money on the deal, and he has the contract, and then we'll mention how he sells the, the fighting game to them after the fact. But, you know, this is pretty obviously a deal with the devil. Um, yeah, yeah. like it is couched in those in those terms with the with the anagram and the you know everything the whole framing of the situation we've even heard before like if you read the the steam comments on the third weasel kid game it mentions you know game of Funa does this to all these games it you know buys up these rights and then trashes the ip knocks out these awful ports that aren't worth it um destroying yeah. the brand now, as far as I know, this is not something that corresponds to Daniel Mullen's MO in reality, though, right? Like, this is no. pretty far beyond the pale, um, but maybe something he's, you know, considered, like, what if, you know, would he be strong enough not to sell out? Like, you know, probably uh, none of us would be, so. I and I know. think the other thing that Mullins is, I mean, like, to be a little bit less charitable, I think Mullins is also looking at other games in the industry like other other developers other creators other other indie studios for that matter um like all of the stories that were told here are sort of classic failings um in the video game world like you sold your really hot property to somebody who then trashed the license um you built a fighting game and the community drove it into the ground um, you built, you put, sunk all of your money into this huge epic fantasy adventure, and then it totally bombed, and you lost everything. Um, you made the the buggy, ugly, open world game, and the modders turned it into something unrecognizable. Like at this, you know, it's pretty rare for one company, one studio, one developer to, to have all of those things go wrong or be sort of succumbing to all of those things. But I think Mullins is is sort of recognizing that the the key, the the central issue, like the 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 thing that links all of these different uh, catastrophes, these different gaming hiccups together is that Lionel has stopped caring. Um, mm. He's not making games to make games anymore. Like, it's very early on. You know, for the second Weasel Kid, he's saying, you know, I, I, I'm paralyzed. I wanted to make a game that was every bit as successful, every bit as profitable, every bit as loved. Um, and I think that's the key there. Like, the first game Lionel made because he loved making games... Um, he made it due to that earnest inspiration. You know, this is springing from the conversations had by his weasel and his shrew. Um, <laughs> but then by game two, on the one hand, he's got that adolescent streak. Like, it just felt really good beating the crap out of the Groomba. Um, <laughs> and we see that again later as well. Like, Lionel increasingly is focusing on the violence in the games and is sort of reveling 
Um, especially yeah. later when you know you're he finally gives you a gun in Waste World and he's you know encouraging you to just shoot all the alien vicious galaxy again. Um, he's become juvenile, like gone from being a kid earnestly appreciating these things, like actually inspired and, and sort of reveling um, in the things that he loves to just enjoying the power fantasy, just enjoying destruction, control. Um, and then of course, add that into the, the power and the money. And Lionel is no longer doing these things for the right reasons. Um, there's no actual love for the work that he's doing. And I think that's sort of the key, the the criticism that Daniel Mullins is leveling. Like, And I think that's that's the fundamental difference. Like, these are labors of love, I think, yeah, yeah. for Mullins. You know, as much as they are self-critical, as much as he sort of, like, always portrays the developer as the, the villain, um, <laughs> in... I think part of it too is, you know, as much as we're we're sort of keen to see Mullins reflecting himself here, I think he's also looking at gaming at large, you know, pointing out that no, this is what's wrong. Um, yeah, it's the lust for money, it's the lust for power, it's the lust for adulation, it's the lust for, for you know, the power fantasy that that's really driving these things away. That's a really great point. I really wanted you to say original sin in there yeah. somewhere i thought you were about to but but you, you restrained <laughs> yourself admirably um, yeah it's certainly you know it, it again deal with the devil like it's it's yeah. it's an obvious connection to make uh well, maybe that's see, why lionel considers this his magnum opus it's like he finally is going back to do something that he wanted to do um sure and just like tell his story so but i i didn't realize that i didn't see the contract with the devil but the number 666 does turn up quite a bit That's... in the game. And I was trying to figure yeah. out like why that was, and now, now it's all like making sense. Wait, uh, where does it turn up? I don't think I, I saw that. Uh, I, it's going to be later in the walk. There's a part. Uh, um, but then, so I don't know if you remember, but on, on Bryce's, there's like a Cook Wanted poster. Yes. And, it says like dial this number and it's five one four oh two three two one. And if you add the digits together, it's six yep. six That's awesome. And then you know, obviously a hex has six sides. Um, oh sure. So I, I think there's other ones that I, I can't think of right now, but I saw those references and made a mental note and now it makes a lot more sense now that I know that there was like a literal contract signed with the devil. Yes, yes. I was on the lookout for that because of looking for Pony Island references. Mm -hmm. So the uh, Louie character is the mascot in Pony Island. Uh, and, uh, well, Satan is the developer, so, yep. and the bad guy. Um, and it does, yeah. you, you know, like, it, it's a bit of a stretch, and it's kind of hard to square the, the timing, but it, you can conceivably see the Hex as a sequel to Pony Island in that sense. That um, yes. like Satan has not stopped developing, but he's moved into production now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, he will totally produce and advertise your crappy IP once you are done with it, and you know turn it into a mockery of what it used to be. Um, his his failures at game development are still very obvious here, um, but also you know 
another whole part of it is just how warped Lionel's life becomes as a result of this. Right. Like, as as much as he does make that deal with the devil, as any scholar of Faustian literature will tell you, it usually doesn't go as well as you think. You sure you get the power and the money, but does it really make you happy? Does it really fulfill you? Um, Lionel's life is ruined because of this deal. And yet, I mean, the I don't know what the secret endings are, but I I feel like somehow along the way there's a um, there's a chaotic element that enters into this, like that that is going to um, break through the contract, right? That's gonna I don't know. I I still have some amount of optimism about Carla's role in all this. So um, yeah, but you gotta think too of Carla's legacy here, like yeah. The major contribution that Carla made is not necessarily a positive one. <laughs> um, right. And, you know, it, it doesn't take long, like, after after Lionel buys his first studio and hires Carla for, you know, crazy amounts of money, because he can do it, he's got all the money now. Um, you know, first you get that that really strikingly misogynist comment where he's like, you know, he, he mentions that Carla was frustrated that they had so few female characters and Lionel's responses what Steambot Willie doesn't have a gender like <laughs> so messed up yeah. yeah um and then they end up creating the two characters that we do interact with um Lionel creates Chandrell um who as we've seen in this game is kind of bitter and horrible um and ends up trying to destroy Lionel's own game and then <laughs> Carla of course makes Sado um which, like, it's kind of even hard to read exactly what the deal is there. But at the very least, you recognize, like, Carla mentions, uh, or Lionel mentions, that Carla is trying to push the boundaries of the GameWorks engine when she creates Sado. Um, yes. There, there's, like, a positive intention there. Like, you know, pushing boundaries and, and building new ways of using your engine, like, that goes all the way back to Doom and, you know, creation of the id engine. and. Just like there's all the sorts of great stories of developers who you know just really push the boundaries of what the technology can do and came up with some truly groundbreaking stuff. Um, but at the same time, you know, Sato's a monster. <laughs> uh, right. Like you, you get to you get to program her for the fighting game, and all you have to do is throw one punch, and it like glitches out, and the game breaks. <laughs> you know, she, you get the it's freaky scary. head looking out at you. You know, all of that. So yeah. Um, as much as you kind of want Carla to be the, the redeeming factor in, in Lionel's messed up life, you, you want Carla to be, you know, the, uh, the oh, now I forget her name, in Faust, what's her name? Gretchen. The <laughs> Gretchen to, to Lionel's Faust. Um, that's not the role that she takes here. Like, if, if Sado is the sort of chaotic element, the, the free radical in this equation, she's almost scarier than Lucifer. <laughs> right. uh, yes. Yes. Uh, but I think that Sado is to Carla as Super Weasel Kid is to Lionel, right? Like we see the yeah. same kind of, you know, hand-drawn art pinned to the wall next to Carla's computer terminal. Um, now, yeah, she's obviously... In, in a different way from Lionel and um, has 
we, we, well, we haven't heard her side of the story yet, but she seems to have her own kind of issues that she's working out. Like she was at, at school, right? She was studying yep. and, and Lionel lured her away um, with this big contract. So she in a way also sold out, right? Mm -hmm. um, to a friend, no less, not to the devil even. So yeah. And then, you know, Lionel's got his big, awesome door, right? Speaking of there not being yep. a door in his room, there is one that he's very proud of to his office. Uh, yep. that he has to hide Spends behind. more time talking about the door than his, than his work. <laughs> he's yeah. very excited of the prestige. It's pretty cool. Like I would, I would like to have a door like that, but yeah. maybe one day, maybe one day. Uh, okay. But then you, um, you mentioned, yeah, that there's some weird stuff that happens in the programming uh, now because, because clearly Sato's around. Um, there's like these little red eyes that you have mm. to address before you can connect the little, um, like little zippers or whatever they are uh, yeah, little to the hook to the loop. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you know, I mean, I haven't done enough programming, but is there something that that's particularly referring to, like a, a particularly sort of thorny, thorny problem that arises when you start to do certain things, like uh, that would have some sort of analogy to the red eye blinking at you and spinning around? Yeah. Um, he mentions that that after Sado is sort of introduced into the fighting game, that the the games tend to glitch more um there are more bugs than than he would expect things that he can't seem to work out um and i think that's like the way that like if i were to come up with a one-to-one -one comparison which i suspect there isn't one easily out there um what i think of is uh when you are working with especially complicated programming um like if you're working i remember when i was working in c plus plus doing graphics research um, we were always using the standard library, um, which were all these sort of self-contained programs and things that you could reference to. You just had to like install the standard library and then you, know, you could access it whenever you wanted to. But there were certain quirks about the standard library that once you had included it, you had to kind of be conscious of it. Like you can't you can't use the queue, the the sort of pre-created queue or the pre-created stack in certain ways. You can't um, because it'll like be poorly optimized or it'll actually break down. Um, the trouble with using black box code that somebody else wrote is sometimes your code will interfere with it on a level that you can't always anticipate. So you've got to kind of write your way around that. Um, that's what I usually think of in this case. Sure. Like here is here is you writing your code, but now there's the Sado code underlying it. Something that's <laughs> running in the background all the time, and it just causes these interferences that are difficult to anticipate because it's speaking to the computer on a level beneath the level that is your coding language. Um, so you know when your compiler runs, it can occasionally cause some really hinky stuff to happen like even varying between operating systems or even versions of operating systems, like you can, what you compile on Linux might be completely different from the way that it runs on Windows. Um, this is stuff that developers have to deal with when you're you know, porting code from, from platform to platform. But you know, if you're running Sado in the background, those interferences are gonna be very unpredictable. Yeah, lovely. I mean, it, I don't know, it just made me think of Sauron like the, the <laughs> eye image, but, uh, yeah. but I like your answer a lot better. <laughs> uh, so, 
I don't know. Like, I uh, I think that Irving is also kind of an interesting introduction at this point, right? He pops out to be your AI help, but um, also doesn't let you do certain things. Like, Steambot Willie, I don't think can beat him. Right when you're fighting in in that portion, he'll just like ban you for using the uh, ultimate attack. But yep. um, just zip gone, switched out. But uh, I don't know. I still I also sort of feel bad for Irving at this point because he's dead, kind of. I don't know. Um, yeah. So then uh, there's the launch party for Secrets of Legendaria. We get the mechanic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then Valamir pops up. Um, this part, I, I don't think I found anything in particular uh, to to go back and break the game with. Um, but I remember there being that terminal in that one screen on Secrets of Legendary that's Carlos' computer. So I feel like there must be something. Um, did y'all find anything? Little any little weird bit of code to take back with you? I think this is where I forget where you find it because I didn't track it down this time around. It might be on the back of one of the posters or one of the other like supposedly inoperative terminals, but I believe this is where you find the term enter veil, um, which if you type that in as the, the name in um, secrets of legendaria, like the one time, you know, Chandrel is sitting there and the character is like, what is your name? And Chandrel's like, it's Chandrel. And they're like, no, really let the player answer. What is your name? Ah, If at that point you type in enter veil, it just makes everything go nuts. Um, (laughs) Like the entire game is radically distorted and changed. Um, like completely different palette like it's kind of like when you're playing adventure mode on pony island and suddenly you're walking (laughs) around seeing stuff you're clearly not supposed to and like you know programmer notes and graffiti lying all over the place it's very similar to that um and i'm pretty sure at that point like if you access the the computer either you can get into it or it does something weird to your inventory i've definitely had a situation where i had my entire inventory full of those Valamir books, um, yes. which can definitely do some weird stuff to that section of the game. Interesting. Okay, so enter Veil. Veil, like yeah. V-E-I-L? V-A-L-E. Oh, uh, V-A-L-E. Okay. Yeah, some of the characters in Secrets of Legendary refer to the fact that, like, Ender Veil, E-N-D-E-R, is nearby, like it's the neighboring town, so if it huh. seems to be a reference to that. Um, but again, you know, slightly distorted and clearly kind of working as a cheat code. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't, I did not find that one. Um, and at this point you, you move, right. You go to a different sort of room, um, an unfinished part of the game, which has you moving square by square, uh, mm-hmm. like waste world. And uh, Lionel like spent some time in the desert, I guess. Like, uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be like Phoenix or or someplace like that, or somewhere in California, maybe. Probably uh, a Silicon Valley location. Okay, that that makes more sense then. Yeah, yeah. And he left this portion unfinished, so it would be more similar to like his experience with Wasteworld. And then he like immediately realizes that he's just BSing there and. Um, 
just didn't want to put in the work to finish this portion of the game. So I I think this one's really obvious, probably the most obvious. There's like a, a little thing tacked on the wall. Um, one place it says sarsaparilla again, but yep. there's like a paper tacked up that says something about like blowing up your own friends with your with your minds. Um, so I guess that's how you would crash Waste World, um, or at least you know do something that you're not that's not really intended. Um, I think it's like control yeah. F or something to to kill your friends with the mines. Yeah, um, if memory serves, and it's been a while, um, I think what you can do is you can cover the entire map with mines, um, <laughs> like in one go, uh, which is you know an obviously overpowered thing to begin with. Um, but if you do it on the level where Sad where you fight Sado. Um, mm. where Sato keeps like teleporting around, you get into a situation where Sato cannot avoid your hit. Like, it's by far the creepiest crash, but she freaks out and like shuts you down and the game crashes. Oh. <sighs> Creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um Okay, so interesting. So so then you go through a, a, a door of light, right? Um and I don't know, I think that's the part where he says, like, you know, I didn't have any friends and Carla was, like, my only one, right? Um, with her rubber ducky over in the corner. Uh, through this door of light, then you're in the Waste World walking simulator mashup. Um, this was scary for me because I didn't want to get hit by the, the chainsaw guys. Like, I really didn't want to get hit by them. Um, I don't know why somehow it was different. Uh, and uh, I think if you go straight for the computer, it's you probably will be fine, right? Because um, then uh, Jeremiah like skips you ahead a few levels. Yeah, uh, I, the way it worked for me this time around, I'm not sure if it was the same, but like if you sprint towards the computer, you get there before they get to you, but then yeah. you get the gun. Um, and I think you can shoot one of them before the other one gets you, but you've got to be sneaky if, if you're not going to get hit by the second one. Um, okay. I, in fact, did get hit, um, which brought up the health bar where your character is listed as Lionel and has the question. That's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I remember, I think by looking down, you can also bring up the, um, the health and status and see your name is, um, is Lionel. Like looking down at your own square. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and so you blast those guys away. Some aliens pop up, right? And um, I don't know. It's at some point Jeremiah like appears. I don't remember exactly how that happens, though. Yeah, um, Lionel's giving you a screed at that point. Like he's gone okay. from, um, you know, I was really suffering with Waste World. I was trying to, you know, work my way through it. He's obviously depressed. Like he's spending all day you know, looking at social media and not getting anything done and feeling mm -hmm. exhausted and really defeated. Um, but then the modders start taking over and he gets so mad. Um, and right. he starts, like, he starts in on that gleeful tirade where he's talking about all the legal stuff that he's engaged in. He's more excited yeah. talking about the, you know, <laughs> suing these people than he ever was about the actual games that he was making himself. 
Um, mm. And while he's talking about it, you're literally shooting down waves of the aliens that the modders brought into the game. Like <laughs> there's this very clear sort of cathartic parallel again, you know, Lionel making you live his life. You know, he's giving you the, the joy, the catharsis of shooting down these modders as they spring up. Um, and, you know, just as we've mentioned that like the portrayal of Lionel here is pretty cruel and perhaps caricatured, you know, he's doing the same thing. Um, yeah, he's yeah. caricaturing the modders as just bad guys in a villain in a video game as, you know, clear enemies, villains, um, not to be confused with actual human beings. Yeah. No, I like that read a lot. Uh, and I guess it's it's Jeremiah like sparing you from hearing more about that, right? He's yeah. like I'm sure you're tired of this by now, right? Yeah, um, this goes on for a while, he says. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, does that imply that we... Oh, hey, I just want to say, yeah. I think yeah. uh, one of the crashes, or the crash for this section was you increase your attack power up to a certain uh -huh. point, and it ends up, you know, I think you can build it up to a 1,006, Mm -hmm. And then if you subtract <laughs> and get back down to six six six, um, that's one of the crashes, and that's just like one of the references I was thinking of. Um, yeah, the walk uh, crash. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, when when you guys say like the game crashes, like what happens at that point? Do you pop back into six point in? Do you? It closes. Have to... It actually closes the game. <laughs> um, like you'll you'll have it'll do the whatever the crash is like it, it always has a unique effect so for example like when you tickle the mountain's chin in super weasel kid 2000 like the the you hear that like it stutters um and then the mountains themselves like they get these black tear streaks on their faces and like their <laughs> mouths distort you know because they they look happy all the time and then they look yeah. like horrified and grotesque um and it stutters and it gives you you know the usual eh, crash noise like when freezing the sound um on the yeah. one note and then the game literally closes and you have to restart it again um <laughs> But it, for all of the crashes, that's how it works. Um, okay. Like, Valamir is an exception insofar as it makes you go to credits instead, but that's not one of the official crashes either. But all the others, yep, it immediately closes the game. Interesting. And and the game, like, keeps a record of the fact that you did that, I, I would assume. Yeah, it'll give you an achievement. It's an <laughs> achievement, They all right? have one attached to it. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, so the... Uh point to which you get skipped by Jeremiah's kindly intervention here is into a 3D version of Vicious Galaxy. And is this the same game, quote-unquote, that we saw from Lazarus's point of view, or is this a sequel to that game that Lionel has released? Um, it says that this is Vicious Galaxy 2. Um, yeah. Like, Lionel mentions that this is, this is footage from Vicious Galaxy 2. He considered it the high point in the series. Um, the suggestion, you know, when you play Lazarus's level is that he's been doing Vicious Galaxy for a while. Um, yeah. and the fact that he can trick the player into raiding game works suggests that 
you know, this is a late Vicious Galaxy title after many of them have come out. Um, so my guess is it's not the same game, like not at all, because again, Lazarus's mission was not actually one of the Vicious Galaxy games. Um, Got it. So the yeah, this is a relatively early entry that you're playing. Uh, and but also the thing is that Lionel in his commentary refers to the loss of some data at uh, yeah. GameWorks, right? So that that mission has happened mm-hmm. um, at the time of him recording the commentary about the game, whatever one it is that playing with respect to the one that you played already. Right. As last year, it's so it's odd, right? Um, yeah. Uh, it is a pretty impressive, you know, little bit of gameplay. The, the little bit that we do get there, um, it's very 3D. It's very the the lighting is very cool. Um, obviously, that 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 crazy techno music is is pulsing away. Uh, yep. But it's also yeah one of the more linear, you know, stretches of the game. Like you can't really explore anything, at least that I saw. Um, but I there guess there must one be one little cave yeah. side room, but not much. Um, is there something written on the wall in there that helps you crash Vicious Galaxy? Uh, there is no way to crash Vicious Galaxy because, again, not officially a game. Um, ah, okay. So, yeah, like I think most of the other games you can crash. There might be an exception in there. Um, but, yeah, you can't officially crash uh, um, the Lazarus's little Vicious Galaxy mission to get okay. works. Um, instead, the the secret that you find is related to the tickets um, and the little oh, yeah. descriptions that you'll occasionally run across and walk. Okay. Well, and then the locket, too, that you, you mentioned last time. Yep. Or is that something else? Okay. All right. So then we get to the bomb. Um, again, the bomb thing looks kind of like the thing that's in the basement of Six Pine Inn. Uh, this one has some legitimately difficult puzzles that um, you have to do some weird stuff with splitters and switches and different colors um, but uh, yeah then then you are what you're in the um, you know the game the indie game developers award ceremony right, right um, yeah the nearest future Lionel calls it <laughs> <laughs> there, there's like flashes of cameras uh, out in the darkness there um, as you look out from the stage, uh, and this is where Jeremiah has warned you, right? When you see another door of light, you're to turn around and go back and turn right. Um, so that's what I did. I, I listened to Jeremiah. Yep. Uh, now, but I assume, like, you can just walk through that that door, right? Would that just Pretty be sure. an ending? Okay. Yeah, I think it just, you know, again, roll credits. But huh. yeah, that's right. I tried it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Lionel, what you know, survives. He he lives to see another day. Um, do you see any of the? Um, do you see any kind of special like ending at all, or just credits? Ninety nine percent sure it's just credits. Yeah. Okay. I I, I kind of want to see you know like a a happy ish you know um, Daniel Mullins like typing away on his keyboard there and and no. No hand popping out to strangle him or something <laughs> right. like that. Uh, it's okay, I guess. So, but yeah. So this is the secret game, right? That's that's underneath all of the others. Um, you walk through this like 
glitchy bit of um uh what what are those little things called like those little uh ropes that block off the way to a movie theater or whatever right, you yeah. walk through one uh and it's quite creepy uh, you know definitely getting some horror vibes here um and it's it's the root beer what is it called root, root beer, beer reggie. reggie root beer, root beer reggie. reggie yeah uh, what there's there's definitely games like this right they're like old arcade games or something um where you're slinging uh, I don't know, food down to people, or in this case, root beer. Um, Reminds me got... of that god-awful uh, second level in Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> but it's and, like, to this day, I still haven't beaten. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it's referring to something, though, right? Like, that, that has got to be a remake itself, right? So that wouldn't have been the original for this, probably. Um, yeah, I think that there's there's a like it was one of those sort of game formats that was endlessly reproduced in the early nineties. Okay. Um, but okay. yeah, the idea that you're you could be a bartender slinging beer down the bar or or whatever that that's a pretty pretty common mini game idea. Although I don't know like the Ur game that sort of came up with the idea. Um, huh. But it's obvious that Lionel is also making it you know from his own experience. Like we've we've seen the poster for root beer in his room yes. slash office follow him the entire way, um, and it's even mentioned a couple times that Lionel loves root beer. He's always loved root beer. Um, so the idea that he made a game celebrating root beer before he even made a game <laughs> celebrating Super Weasel Kid totally fits with the the person that he was. Um, and can you? beat this game like can you get a certain score that that's you know stops the awful thing that happens in this little sequence or does it not matter it does not matter Uh, Uh, like i think i've gotten up to a thousand that one but that's that's it you know after a while you can't even see to sling it around because of all the glitching and stuff that's happening Um, yeah and right. obviously, you know, Irving is gonna gonna do his dirty deed, no matter <laughs> no matter what you've done. Like the future, the future has or the present has already been written. You can't fix it by changing the past. You were just and, watching it happen. Yeah, is this is this to say that Reggie is the one who's hacked into a walk and and scrawled, you know, secret stuff everywhere? Is it Jeremiah? Who's also present there, like sweeping, you know, down in the bo- the bottom corner? Um, has Jeremiah run around in walk and and scrawled a bunch of codes and cheats and things on the walls? Um, it's certainly I, hard to say. Like between the fact that we all know that Sato is messing with the code and you know that the other characters have been tinkering around, um, I think it's especially significant that you know after the whole like. GameWorks lost the data. Lionel mentions that all of the main characters aren't there, and you know yeah. you can even notice, like when you're when you're playing with Super Weasel Kid at the very beginning, it's not Super Weasel Kid. He, it's something like Super Weasel Kid, but he's got like the Groomba fangs, and he has a pretty vacant expression. You know the original yeah. assets have been lost, and you know where they are. Like they're all at the Six Pine Inn, but. Um, <laughs> But you know, for Lionel, they're they're just absent, missing. You know, the the one thing that he lost that he's actually kind of upset about, it seems. 
Um, but yeah, like these are these are absent. They are they are missing. They are, you know, once again like tragic omissions. So it's it's hard to say exactly who is messing with walk and at what level because again there's just so many different people messing with the text at this point um yeah. it's really hard to say like what lionel's original un you know un messed with intention was yes yes like the way that this is supposed to end is that he wins the the award, right? The the golden statue with the game controller um, for, you know, indie developer of the year or whatever. Um, but of course, the way it actually ends is with his own creation, uh, which, yeah, he wanted, he wanted him stomped out, right? And gone. Um, mm-hmm. Irving tried. Uh, we've seen what happened to Irving. And now uh, Reggie and the others um, activate the hex, right? Up, With up your in help, the, you are complicit. In the attic, yeah, and the the last step, right, is that you you move the little hand into the little, you know, hand shaped hole at the center of the screen, um, and that that is that's where the hand of uh, Reggie pops out through the screen uh, and just destroys. Daniel Mullins himself, or Lionel, or whoever it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. um, and it's—I don't know. Like, how did you feel as you saw that happen? Um, maybe if you can recall the first time, or or just you know this time around, what what emotion is that supposed to evoke? Do you suppose it is uncomfortable? Um, <laughs> you know the the idea that this entire game has been sort of like predicated on oh somebody's planning a murder who could it be and it turns out to be the bartender you know you thought it was lazarus taking out irving but really the mastermind here is reggie you know taking his vengeance for his broken legs and his destroyed game and his you know forgotten legacy um there is it, it is sort of mixed i think like it's obviously violent it's meant to be um, it's meant to be disturbing and horrifying in a lot of ways, but there's also, you know, you feel bad for Reggie. Like, you feel yeah. like there is a sort of vindication to this, that he is, you know, righteously avenging the Lionel's accomplishments that were. Um, and, you know, it's easy to see it from his perspective. You've been walking through the perspectives of all of these characters, watching Lionel twist and destroy all these NPCs' lives. Like it's really hard to to feel bad when Rust is sitting right there. Um right. and you know, Rust's life had been so profoundly destroyed. Um but at the same time, it feels like it's too far. Um <laughs> and, and I think it's meant to. I, I think, you know, the fact that you are complicit that Reginald has been has been plotting all of this, um you know, as much as he is a victim, he's a victim who is turning more people into victims. Um, nobody is nobody is forgiving here. Nobody is learning. It's just anger and resentment festering to the point of violence again and again and again and again. Um, from Chandrel all the way up now to to uh, to Reginald, 
And, you know, we learned with Bryce early on that violence isn't the solution. Um, that, you know, at the same time as, as we recognize that Lionel is doing these sort of horrible things, um, what made, you know, first Lionel made this stuff in the first place. Like, there is some innocent colonel that created Super Weasel Kid that, that, you know, loved Bryce and loved Root Beer and created Reggie's Root Beer in the first place. And it's kind of like, well, you know, he is God in a here. Yeah. Um, and as much as, you know, you, you, we've been talking about that deal with the devil thing this entire time, you know, on, on the other hand, here we have all of these game characters that Lionel created literally reaching out to destroy their own creator. Um, and at the same time as you think, yes, it is just, you've also got to think, yes, but it's ungratitude. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, it's complicated. It's very complicated. And it's, and it's not a feel good moment. Like not at all. Um, to read this as pure righteous justice is very much not what we're being given. Um, yeah. especially because the final shot of, you know, Mullins hunched over at his computer dead while Sato crops up in the real world behind <laughs> her. Like, yes. that is as haunting a note as, as any video game has gone out of, um, in my opinion. Like, you know, and it makes sense. It falls together so well. Like, as much as, yes. you know, it is meant to evoke discomfort, I feel like it is sort of the perfect ending. Um, that, you know, through all of this destruction, all of this anger, all of this resentment, all of this plotting, all of this murder, at the end of the day, now we've unleashed Sato on the world. <laughs> um, now we've done an even greater harm. Yes. Yeah, so is this something, I guess, that the remaining ending or endings are going to resolve that's i'm left just basically asking that question because i'm like yeah. i've known all along i'm not finding everything i don't know what it is i'm missing but i know i'm missing stuff and so the question i'm sort of left with as i watch daniel mullins get what's coming to him is like okay but but he's not really dead right like surely now that sato's there like there's some power at work that can make all this right you know like or, or something like i don't know maybe it's um it's unwarranted, um, but that's that's the kind of hope that remains for me as I watch it. Like I know this isn't the real real ending um, to this game, so we'll see. I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, and I think I do like get some kind of achievement unlocked for for getting the hex to activate. Um, yes, which is nice, I guess. But uh, congratulations, yeah. you help murder someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve, are you satisfied by this ending? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I guess so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I would have been fine if it just ended there. I, I do think that this next ending leaves a better taste in... Well, no, actually, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it... Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, you know, I guess I... Yeah. Um... I, I was actually satisfied with the ending when, you know, just said Lazarus was the murderer. Um, uh, that's right. <laughs> this one was fine. Yeah, I guess I'm satisfied, except for the fact 
fact that you were like a you know an unknowing um accessory to to murder um you know now that i'm thinking about it i wasn't satisfied never be satisfied you feel like you've been duped by the the video game characters right yeah all right it was definitely creepy so we're gonna do one more go around uh and try to wrap remaining loose ends for next time what should i do yes um it's time to track down the work of Carla. Cool. Um, so go into Steam and see what she's been up to lately. In Steam? Yeah. What? Yep. There's okay, interesting. I would not have thought to do that, but that's very cool. Trust me, it was it was came as a surprise to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, all right. On that note, uh, thanks again, guys. This uh, is an interesting way to kind of work our way through the magnum opus that is Walk, uh, and uh, almost almost the end of the hex here. So, uh, any other final uh, pieces from this that we should make sure to touch on here? Well, I mean, I can save it till next week, but uh, okay. this machine, the third one. Oh, okay. The third soda machine. Third one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Uh, ben, what do you think? Is it worth I discussing? Mean, this yeah. one's pretty safe, I think. It, it's clearly just mostly referring to to what's going on, you know, in Walk and at, at the ending. Um, ah. But, yeah, go ahead, Steve. Well, no, I'm just, yeah, you go in there and it's just... Uh, it's kind of the similar with the Kraken Tears or the Sphinx Tears. But there's like a canister that says MC serum or something to that effect. Um, and there's like a bunch of those uh, mind control little electronic things that are there. Um, yeah, just piles of them, like the little doodads that, that brainwashed Rust uh, that uh, controlled the aliens back in Waste World. They've all apparently ended up here in the basement. Yeah, and then there's also the spider hanging in the upper left-hand corner. Um, I, and were you able to find like anything that you can do in that room? Um, there is the radio, um, right? Like right. the other rooms, but other than that, I don't think there is. Ah, okay. the, the radio gives you a message about basically Reggie plotting. Like it, it summarizes what we have now discovered that Reggie has sort of contracted Jeremiah into being his assistant in his campaign of vengeance, um, though told naturally in the usual poetic way. <laughs> Reggie the Spider. Yes, yes. Excellent. Uh, and MC, so mind control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... kind of forgot about that. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, then, so we'll search up Carla on Steam. We'll uh, reconvene Maybe not next week if it's Thanksgiving and people are busy, but sometime soon. We'll try to do this. All right. Have a good week, guys. Take care. You too.